I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as slashers, vampires, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. Man, after going back and listening to the last episode, oh, I'm sorry it was so long, guys. Dude, we talked. <laughs> Originally, when we outlined out the, the slasher series, it was a five-parter. Yeah. And I... Felt like five was too much. Really, a multi-parter for the first episode was probably not the greatest idea, but we started with it. I feel like five was too much, and that episode four was getting cut and added back onto and cut and added back onto <laughs> before we recorded it, and it's just the slashers for the 2000s were kind of all over the place, being like a home invasion or a comedy movie, and like it just, there were so many parts of the whole, but no. so we ran over. This week, you know, we're not doing a series. We're doing one movie franchise. We're doing the Evil Dead trilogy. I'm really excited because this is one that I've been into for a while. I actually saw the Evil Dead trilogy out of order, as did I. I saw Army of Darkness first because my buddy, I think it was Jarrett, kept telling me about this movie he saw that he didn't know it was cold, but the guy had a shotgun and a chainsaw arm. <laughs> Without the internet, somehow fucking found it in the 90s. I mean, it was still fairly new. Yeah. Saw that, fucking loved it. Thought it was hilarious. Then found out about Evil Dead 2. Got a hold of that. I bought it on VHS or something. Watched it and loved it. And then I didn't get into the first movie until, you know, I was always real big in a horror movie, so friends knew, knew that. No. And I, I want to say it was a DVD. It was a collector set with a tin lunchbox of the Evil Dead with the thermos and the DVD. Fucking <laughs> thermos was missing in mine. But oh. I got it for my birthday one year. Fucking loved the movie, but I was just shocked that it was a actual fucking horror film yeah right like you know army of darkness is funny as hell yeah evil dead 2 is clearly part horror and funny as hell and then you get this movie and i'm like well, what the fuck <laughs> and you got the stephen king quote on there you know because he fucking loved that movie but anyways let's just dive into the evil dead trilogy this is another one of those movies with the director sam raimi in this case went in just to make a movie and ended up like just fucking hitting every dot and crossing yep. every t and made a movie that's just going to be around forever. Yep. Influenced so many people, and it's going to be talked about forever. Before we directly talk about the movie, you got to talk about the trio, the original trio. You have Sam Raimi, Robert Tappert, and Bruce Campbell all grew up together in Michigan. They were huge uh, comedy fans, and they would make short films in high school, right? Yep. Very Three Stooges-esque, right? Fucking loved it. They'd act in them. They'd try to put Bruce Campbell in the camera up front yeah, most. He, he was their pretty boy. He was the pretty boy, as Sam put it. That chin, man. That chin that could kill. <laughs> they made these movies, and they would they would play them for people, even in college, in their auditorium. I heard they, like, scammed the system. Like, they could do things because they were a student body at a, for free, and they would play their shorts and then charge, like, a quarter for them. Okay. Make a little bit of money. I actually thought they were in film school. Didn't realize they weren't. I don't know what they're getting degrees in, but they were just in college. <laughs> They decided they wanted to drop out of college and make some movies. Yep. Did some research together. Horror movies. Cheap. A lot of directors get their start from them. Let's just make a horror movie. Okay. So. Yeah. Really, really interesting that fact with what ended up happening because of that movie. With right. The, we, we like making comedy movies for fun, but horror is the, the best. Right. In the right. Door. So they drop out of college. They take their Super 8 camera and they make a movie called Within the Woods. Yep. Concept film. You can watch it on YouTube for free legally. It is more or less the plot from the Evil Dead. Yeah. It's an Indian burial ground, so it's a little different. It still has Bruce Campbell in it. It has Ellen Sandweiss, which she played Cheryl in the original Evil Dead because she also went to high school with them. Yeah. And they filmed the movie, used it as proof of concept, and they would show it to would-be investors to try to get money for their film. They met with local store owners, family members. One point in the end, they were literally going door to door. They had like cheap suits and briefcases that matched. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard they got a lot of money from dentist offices. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes they were in grocery stores in the in an aisle, just playing it on the wall, just trying to get all the money they could. Yeah, didn't didn't they have a thing where like they were going for ninety k and they got to eighty five and then got stuck there and it was like the fight to get the last five grand. I didn't necessarily hear that, but I've read so many sources that I was all over the place. So I do know they scrape by on getting the 90 K. Okay. And I want to say he wanted a hundred okay. or something there. There's, and it might've been 90 and he got 85 and I just mixed it up, but the numbers were, were pretty close on these. They ended up getting it. They spent 350 K making the movie in the end. Yeah. So we'll get to that. That's where the door to door comes in at some point, but they took their 90 K and until they went down to Morristown, Tennessee, which is outside of Knoxville. It's like a little mountain town. There's a cabin there. I don't know how they found the cabin. 
Funny thing is they picked that because they're shooting in the winter. Michigan's cold as fuck. It's a little cold in, in Tennessee, but like we'll go to East Tennessee and shoot this movie. Yeah, it's supposed to be much more mild. Right. Coldest winter in the history of this part of East Tennessee. <laughs> Warmest winter in their part of Michigan. Okay. So they were fucked right off the start. And that's when they sat down to shoot their movie, The Book of the Dead. Yes, Evil Dead was not originally called Evil Dead. It was The Book of the Dead. They went to the cabin. The, it had been there forever. It was dilapidated. The doors were ripped off. Supposedly, there's a foot of manure in the floor. <laughs> okay. And it was just because these cows and goats would just walk through and shit in there. Nice. And they said even Bruce Campbell's in there just scraping it up because you had a group of, it ended up being five friends, and they hired some local talent besides yeah. Cheryl. So you had Bruce and Cheryl and then some, and I say talent, They just, I'm pretty sure they were getting like street performers and like college kids, right? Yeah. It was really a guerrilla filmmaking style in the vein of right. trauma. Everybody's and, doing double duty. And I know we're like kind of going on the backstory a good bit on this, but there's such a good story for making this movie. But they got the cabin ready. They slept on cots, I think, in the cabin. No heat. They had one guy that was their driver and their cook. No cook experience. Apparently, he was terrible. Yeah. Uh, they suffered a lot staying there. Well, now they had some stuff ripped off from them in the cabin and ended up doing this sleep uh, shift style where somebody had to stay in the cabin and sleep there with the gear. Oh, really? Yes. And what was funny is I heard a thing from Bruce Campbell where it's like they're stealing power tools and shit. There's like a $20,000 video related device right. here and they just leave that there because they don't know they can take it to a pawn shop. Well, they don't know because they're, <laughs> I mean, they're in like the woods, like in the boonies in East Tennessee. Right. Yeah. And they, they said hunters would randomly come by and different kind of wild animals because they were just in the fucking woods. Yeah. Cow just come by while they're trying to film. But, you know, they found this cabin and they had to do a lot of construction to get it usable. Okay. They added windows that where there weren't any. Yeah. They needed a cellar. So there wasn't a cellar. So they cut a hole in the floor, put a cellar door, dug a six foot hole. So that way actors could stand in the hole and stick their head up. Yeah. I know you see scenes of people walking up and down the stairs, but we will get to that. Like I said, this movie, it's a, it's a wonder that it was made. Okay. <laughs> but it was supposed to be a six week shoot. It ended up being 12 and then just even longer. Yeah. But they decided to take some interesting approaches to making a horror film. They wanted to have a male protagonist. Yeah. I actually saw a documentary. I think it was Robert Tappert. The producer said, I know this doesn't normally work in the past. We're using Bruce. They had Scott in the movie. It was the prettiest, prettiest one they had access to. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, Scott in the movie, I think his character is hilarious, yeah. right? But he starts off kind of, of an ass and a jerk, and he seems very assertive, and you think he's going to be the tough guy and the hero. Exactly. Until they get to the cabin, and you got the, the swing knocking on the wall, and he's a little scared, and he's really skittish to go up there, and he, he, he kind of acts scared. It's like they deconstruct the tough guy trope, right? Yep. And it's Ash is really mousy, but he starts kind of stepping in. He's like the, the middle ground guy everybody's friends with. And he's nice. And, you know, and like, you don't really know where they're going with that. In this movie, there is a little bit of humor. Not over the top, though. No, not nothing like you get into later. And it and it really it, it's just a little bit here and there. Right. It doesn't even get outlandish. Right. even Even in the third act. It was uh, very jarring watching the trilogy in reverse as I grew <laughs> up and getting to this very serious one. Some of the parts we'd laugh at was just because the special effects were kind of weak. Yeah. Greg Nicotero did not work on this movie. Yeah. We'll get to him later, but he did say that the movie would have been one of the scariest movies ever made and possibly scarier than The Exorcist if they would have had money for special effects. Yeah. Had it been a big budget movie because no. the angle they came from was was really good. And like, so they only had $90,000, which I think some movies, have, I, I wouldn't even say movies have been made for less because like Halloween has a lot less to it. Than Evil Dead, if you think about it, and they had yeah. what three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars budget. I was like, say that they had a lot more money they had than a that. lot more money, and there's a lot less going on, a lot less special effects, anyways. Is yeah, what I was getting at. They didn't have money for dollies, so they had to invent shit. I'll actually, I think I got some diagrams of these at home. I can put on our Instagram if you guys want to see them. But Sam Raimi invented like the shaky cam, which was a board with the camera mounted on it. And a guy would hold each end of the board and just run through the woods, <laughs> right? Because they didn't have a dolly track or a dolly to go. Yeah. So that's how you get that camera chasing through the woods. It's two guys holding a fucking board with a camera attached to it running. They had the Vaso cam, which was like a six foot board covered in Vaseline sitting on two, what do they call them? Seahorses? Uh, sawhorses? Sawhorses. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Seahorses, an animal. But uh, sitting on two sawhorses and they had a U-bracket mounted on the bottom of the camera and they could slide the camera down the board. And that's how they do sliding shots. Okay. okay. So that, that was their motion control camera of the right, day. Right. The tracking cam is great. I actually saw like behind the scenes clip of the original Evil Dead being made. It's Sam Raimi sitting in a wheelchair holding a camera and they wheel the wheelchair. <laughs> and that's how they do tra tracking shots. 
Um, they had a raft. They didn't, he didn't have a clever name for this one, but there's actually, I saw behind the scene footage. It's a raft and they have two guys like in, in like uh water suits, not, not like scuba diving suits, but like, like wetsuits. Yeah. Like wetsuits pushing the raft across the lake while he's moving the camera up and down around the limbs and stuff. And then the, the Rambo cam, as he called it, I love the fucking name Sam had, Yeah, which was a T-bar mounted on top of the camera and they could slam the camera at a window and the T-bar would go through the glass first. Do you see what I always called the Sam Raimi cam? Does that pop up in this movie at all? Where it like follows a projectile? Follows an item. Uh, I don't think so in this one. Hell, now that I think about it, I don't think, does it happen in the second one? I don't think it's. it's a, a, I know it's in the second one because the eyeball. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the eyeball fly ball. But I, I don't know. I, I can't think of one off the right. top of my head in the first one. They didn't have a lot of money. So um, that's the main point of this. And you guys yeah. are going to hear us cross-reference Evil Dead 1 and 2 a lot because they're very similar in a lot of aspects. But all this really worked to great effect for the movie. And I really feel like it's a part of the movie as a whole. Having the Sam Raimi invented machines or devices for filming and like the cheapness of the movie. Yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. And having the tenacity to just see the problem and go, well, this is what I've got. So this is how I'm going to make it work was the, the approach to the entire damn film. Right. And they made it a good part through filming the movie and they had broke their six week mark by quite a few weeks. Yeah. Ran out of money, way over budget. So they had to go to investors again with within the woods. And they also had footage of the movie they were making to show and somehow they got it up to another 350k I'd love to hear not 350k additionally but up to 350 yeah like unfortunately they lost most of the cast in this time I used to hear stories you know in the 90s and stuff that they couldn't pay the actors and they quit and stuff like that but more recently I've heard that wasn't that just wasn't true oh really it was in a documentary so maybe they're just trying to save face but it was the actresses and stuff Scott wasn't on there so he was the one always heard quit because he wasn't getting paid ah once again, it's rumor mill. Can't yeah, prove any of this. He never showed up for another interview. That might be telling. But the the actresses were saying that you know we signed up for to do a six week shoot. We had additional commitments, had family to see, and we just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So they went and got the additional money, and Robert Tappert and Bruce Campbell's family had cabins. Yep. And I think these Rob Tappert's cabin for within the woods, right? Okay. So they went and shot additional scenes of the movie and that's how they had an actual basement and you can tell when they go up the stairs it's like different walls outside yeah and they used what they called fake shimps okay which was they'd get ted ramey or any other family or friend they could and and put like a scott wig on them or makeup and do like over the shoulder shots and film additional scenes of them because they really just had bruce at this point exactly and it was i don't know what the shooting order was in the movie but basically the whole finale was well, you usually have pickup shots, but the whole third act <laughs> had to be picked up elsewhere. Right, right. They just didn't get to shoot it on set. And you got to understand, this is very visceral filmmaking. There is no training whatsoever. And Sam Raimi was making his craft as he was making his first real movie for the yeah. most part. Yeah, like they wanted to shoot it on eight millimeter. Right. Originally, that's what they worked with. And they had seen something where they could blow it up and they thought it looked pretty good and even hired a guy to shoot like a just a day shoot of something to go ahead and get it processed and see what it would look like. And uh, the story that I heard on it is that somebody left the shutter closed on the camera <laughs> with this camera guy that they hired to do this and then just said, F it, we're just going to jump in and see what happens when we try to play with 16 millimeter. Right, right. And that worked out. I just want to reference back to the the fake shimps. You can actually see them in the credits. Yeah. Also, like fake shimp one, fake shimp two. Yeah, they're all and numbered. That's a reference to shimp from the Three Stooges, which Sam Raimi, huge, huge fan of. And like I said, he, he got started out making Three Stooges shorts, right? Exactly. Uh, interesting fact, the movie was actually edited by Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. Wasn't famous yet. This is one of the first movies he got to work on. Yeah. Which this will kind of lead into some future stories. Yeah, well. But they had their movie, Book of the Dead. It's finished. They tried to get it released. And to my understanding, they just couldn't. Yeah. They were trying so hard. And then they found a distributor. And it's the guy that originally distributed Night of the Living Dead in the UK. Yep. And he got the movie out in the UK. And it did pretty well. It's pretty successful. It's successful enough that they now wanted to distribute it in the U.S. Yeah. Now it took a little bit of time because I think it was it was nearly two years right of of overseas releases before it actually came quote unquote home. And this movie was actually played at Cannes. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where Stephen King saw it. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. And Stephen King, his quote is the most ferociously original horror film of the year. Okay, he said that they asked his permission to use it. it ended up going on posters. Yeah, they slapped that shit on everything and once they had. I mean, it's permission. still on the Blu-ray and DVD cases. Yep. But I kind of got ahead of myself. Before the guy would release it in the UK, he told him they'd change the name. It was called The Book of the Dead. That's right. He said it implies that you have to read during the film. Yeah. So you got to change the name. So it turned into the Evil Dead. So we've gone from within the woods to The Book of the Dead 
to the Evil Dead, right? So the movie comes out in America. And to my understanding, they got around the ratings board. It was like possible to do that with like drive-ins and stuff like that. But you basically got fucked on marketing. Yeah, you weren't going to get it run in in press um, and stuff like that. So it was it was never shot to have a rating. Right. Period. Right. So the movie gets out there and literally just starts spreading by word of mouth. I mean, I was hearing stories of like James Cameron showing up at Bill Paxton's house, knocking on the door and saying, hey, man, get in the car. We're going to go see this movie. Go see this shit. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> right. And you have a lot of famous people that credit back to this movie, like Eli Roth, for example. Yep. Cabin Fever, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it definitely feels like it was inspired by the Evil Dead. 100%. And At least the cabin. And he said that, he, I mean, he was, I think he's 10 years older than us, right? That's not right. I think he's something like that. Yeah. But anyways, he was a kid when this came out. And he said it took him like over six hours to watch the movie with his friends because they kept getting scared and they had to turn it off. Yeah. So fucking Eli Roth, who, you know. Host the show now called The History of Horror. <laughs> Couldn't make it to the movie because it was really scary for its fucking time. Yeah. And we didn't really get into the plot of the movie, but I'm sure if you're listening to this, most of you have seen it. But it started the cabin in the woods trope. Exactly. It's a cabin. There's a book of the dead, the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Spell is accidentally recited. Demons are unleashed and they're possessing people and they have to die. And that is. That's it. In a nutshell. You pretty much could do like the the Halloween Man stalks and kills babysitters. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a damn near that concise. And Sam Raimi, I mean, really, he built his craft, but he was kind of a genius on it. What, 350K, right, to make the movie? Um, it made 2.4 million domestic and 27 million internationally. Because like I said, it was a bigger hit overseas at first. Yeah, that's enough to get someone's attention. And that first one, I mean, that was back in, what was it, 81? 81. So it was a, it's a year older than we are. But, you know, it came out influenced a lot of people and a lot of things down the road. Uh, do you have anything? I know I went at great length, but do you have anything you'd like to say? Oh, uh, no, 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 that's fine. It's a great example. Um, one of the things I want to say or point out is having a writer director with full control, right? And not even full control, but just, just a writer director getting to get their idea out there, which is made even more hilarious when it's not like, Oh, I grew up loving horror and I, right. I knew I was going to make a horror movie. That's not what this, this was right. just an end. And that comes in when we get to evil dead too, in a little yeah. bit too, you know? Ends up diving in grit, grime, you know, actually making the movie was hard on everybody. They did what they could with what they had and they didn't take, there's no formula, there's, right. there's, which is really, really fun. And I feel like they were making shit up as they went along. Yeah. And like it, Sam would have an idea and they're like, we got to do it. And it's like, it built this world around itself. It all works. And it was um, a very graphic movie. Like so the special effects for what they, how they made it is fucking awesome. Like the yeah. bodies like decomposing and dissolving and shit. Yeah. Even with the limited budget, the stuff that ended up happening in the movie with, you know, we got reverse shots in the vine rape scene. Oh yeah. Um, there, there is a tree that attacks and rapes a woman in this movie. Exactly. That's part of why they had a hard time getting it released. Yeah. Video nasties. Exactly. Uh, Sam Raimi had to go to court in the UK on obscenity charges because there were movies labeled as video nasties that were just so obscene that you shouldn't have made them. Yeah. And I think this was one of the first ones. And he actually had to go defend the fucking movie or he was, I don't know what charges would have gone on him, but yeah. I mean, they were on obscenity charges and that's part of why evil dead two is more lighthearted. Cause he didn't want to have to fuck around with charges being put on him for making a movie. Exactly. You know? But it ends up, you know, there's a couple of elements towards the end where you can see the dark comedy that is to come. Of course, at this time, you have no idea. The cinematography, okay? Mm -hmm. For a first film out of the gate and for what the budget was, there are so many shots in that movie that are so good. Right. Um, there's, you know, the close askew eye shots coming back and forth. The, right. The, the, the following the bloody pencil in hand. Right. There's so many little things like that. The atmospheric shots are just outside the cabin with the friggin' fog machine blocking out the moon. Right. And that's what you get with a group of people that at least understood films right. uh, enough to, to get stuff like that in there, regardless of, of being a genre flick. And it really comes across a step above of other movies at the time. Right. Because you had, this could have very easily been another dime a dozen, whatever horror movie. I think that's what they thought they were making at the time. Exactly. That's what makes the story and, that much better. And Sam Raimi, I don't know if he's like officially classified as an auteur, but he is. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, even in the 90s watching fucking Hercules and Xena and any of the movies. I mean, he made non-horror movies. Uh for the love of the game with Kevin Costner. Yeah. Fucking throws the fastball and it follows the ball spinning just like a like eyeball. Yeah. And Evil Dead too. Like, you know, a Sam Raimi movie, the camera's going to go running through some shit. Yeah. You know, like it's just, he's got this vibe. The Delta's going to be in it. 
And I mean, really, <laughs> it is a. I know we said it was graphic, but it was a gruesome movie. It really um, was, especially pre-torture porn. The the <laughs> finale with the the decomposing bodies, and then the the demon hands coming up out of the bodies, and all that crazy stuff. The pencil in the ankle. The pencil in the ankle makes me cringe. If you've never seen the movie, a hand stabs a number two fucking graphite pencil into somebody's ankle and just fucking wiggles it around while blood spraying out. But but no in the background, it's almost like you can even hear on set, like, well, what are we going to do for the end? Well, at the end of a horror movie, you got to have some big gore. Right. Let's have some big gore. <laughs> and it's just, it's fascinating because this is a guy with a drama and comedy background. And I'm using background loosely here. Like I said, no film training whatsoever. Yeah. Like, but his passion was doing drama and comedy. He just wanted to get, get his name out there, made a horror movie, that fucking graphic. Impressed Stephen King. Yeah. Now, you know? <laughs> now another tie into something big that I got to bring up on this movie is uh so there's this hills have eyes poster that's torn oh, yeah. in half yeah. in in down in the cellar the the story behind this is that in the hills have eyes there's a scene with a torn jaws poster okay and that this was a jab from Wes Craven okay. like that's not horror this is horror okay and and this was supposed to be a nod right to hills have eyes that's interesting I've always noticed the hills have eyes poster never yeah. knew why they did it I knew it came after that well. <laughs> Uh, and so Wes Craven finds out about this and actually has Nancy watching the evil dead right. in her bedroom in nightmare on Elm street. And they just keep repaying the favor. And then, it, <laughs> uh, yeah, we see this happen. Uh, another exchange later on when we get into the evil dead Two, which was in 87. Right. So that was six years later, but I don't know. Was there a production hell in this movie at all? I don't know that I would say production hell, but a lot like evil dead one, it did not start off to be what it was going to be right. or as planned. There were funding problems as well. Um, well, First, so the first movie was typical horror thing, mm. shot for nothing, made a return, studio interest comes up. Right. So then we have the group go off to have their first Hollywood, and I'm saying that with air Very quotes, um, experience with Crime Wave. Oh. And, have you seen Crime Wave? Uh, no. Do you remember when I was like 15 through 18, like in high school, I used to work at that movie theater? Yeah. I used to hang out with all the guys that were like 30. They're all older than me. Yeah. That's how I got to see a lot of fucking crazy, absurd horror movies at the time. I saw the piece of shit with them because they were like, oh, you like Sam Raimi? Here, let me show you something. <laughs> well, and of course, well, first it got away from them budget wise. Right. And pissed the studio off. And then it just spiraled out of control to where it was not the movie they were trying to make. Right. It's, um, one of, it, it's a lot like Kevin Smith and Mallrats. Right. After Clerks, Universal, a bunch of money. We don't know what to do with this and made a movie that bombed. Would you know who made the movie with Sam Raimi though. Who? Crime Wave. It's the Coen brothers. That's right. That's right. So the Coen brothers wrote it and Sam Raimi directed it and it fucking bombed. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man trilogy, no matter what you think about it, made over a billion dollars. Yeah. Okay? Made some very iconic horror movies. The fucking Coen brothers. I shouldn't have to say anything yeah, else. Yeah, you shouldn't have to say Raising anything Raising Arizona, <laughs> Big Lebowski. You know, like, like all these great movies. They made a movie that didn't even make back its very low budget that it had to begin with. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell got yanked out of it. He was supposed to be the star. Yep. It's following like a criminal literally going on a crime. There's some cool shit in the movie. So you've never seen it? No. Uh, you should YouTube some scenes. Like there's one cool one where the, the guy's chasing the, the girl through, through a hallway. And she basically goes into a room and it's a different color. And she like spins like she's dancing, open a door to door. Like every eight feet, there's another door and he keeps plowing through the doors. Oh, okay. But the doors are basically, it's like paper. So there's like a green room and a blue room and the yellow. And it's really cool looking. Huh. Sounds psychedelic. I, I don't know if that would be Coen Brothers. Like I'm curious who did that Coen Brothers or Sam Raimi. Cause it's very, uh, either, either or, one of them. Yeah. Right. But that's what I'm saying. You have these very big names in the end made a movie that sucked because Studio intervention. Yep. And you're going to see that a lot as we talk about this trilogy. Yeah. Coen Brothers actually said they'd never let somebody else direct a script they wrote because of that. So Sam didn't want to go back to the well. No. Because um, once again, it, the horror movie was not the plan. Right. And uh, so he agreed that he would come on to an Evil Dead sequel project. Right. As an executive producer. That's his, like, let me run the show. And that's that's it. Josh Becker wrote a treatment for it and Sam read it and said, this is terrible. I don't want to make this and ended up getting with Scott Spiegel, who right. he had done some work with. I say work, but done some shorts with in the past. Like, I think high school era, uh, right? Again. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's one that becomes real important here called Attack of the Helping Hand. Right. Which is where the friggin hamburger helper hand 
comes to life and terrorizes this woman. It's Bruce Campbell's hand on the glove, by the way. Is it really? Yes. See, see, these <laughs> they're, guys they're all tied. Are, these together. guys are always together. And Sam Raimi is the milkman. Yeah. So they ended up taking that and expanding on it and co-wrote what would become Evil Dead Two. Right. But that still wasn't the movie he wanted to make. Right. He was having trouble getting money, and Stephen King once again stepped in and <laughs> saved the movie for the most part. Stephen King knew they were trying to make a movie, couldn't get the money, and Stephen King was working on a multi-movie deal with the producer, and he's like, look, you got to check out Evil Dead, you got to put some money in this movie. Like, you're just going to have to do it. Yeah. And they got their funding for the movie, but not as much for the original idea they had, which we'll kind of get into that on yeah. the next movie again. There's exactly. A lot of now, ins and outs now in this. I, I read an interview with Sam Raimi on, I ain't going to say where, because it was an odd place to read this. And the the story goes that in pre-production for Evil Dead 2, there was an assistant or an AD that they told her, look, this is, it's not working right now. We can't pay you, but we need to keep working. We're going to get somewhere. And she's like, screw this. I have an opportunity to go work on a Stephen King project. I'm out. Right. And I heard there's a lot of crossover on that because it's Dino DeLorento. Right? He, he was a big fucking producer yeah. back then. But but she goes and Stephen King's like, where have you been? And it's like, I've been working, uh, supposed to be working on this Evil Dead 2 film, but it's not getting off the ground. And he's like, what? And then supposedly that, that's okay. I, I wasn't quite sure how Stephen King found out about it. I just knew that he well, got I've, the funding. I've read another thing where it was a lunch break during crime wave. Right. Where somebody talked to somebody and, but a lot of these stories, rumor mill came out pre-internet. Yeah. <laughs> Spread and, from documentary to magazine to, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. And that's the thing is by the time the internet hit, like the crow story, by the time the internet hit, there's 17 different versions of the story all claiming to be accurate. And you're interviewing guys who made a movie 30 years ago for like a DVD commentary and shit. And some of them don't even remember yeah, anymore. I mean, there's probably a lot of drugs involved. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, we let's get to the film. So there's the whole opening flashback had to be scrapped because they didn't own the rights to it. Wasn't necessarily a flashback. They wanted to recap it. Yeah, recap. Sorry. And they wanted to actually use a recap from Evil Dead 1. Yeah. Different studio. Exactly. So, uh, and I was one of those people that when I saw it, I was like some people that I've read about. I'm like, this guy was dumb enough to take his new girlfriend to the same cabin. Right. Because it's so doesn't feel like a recap with, right, with right. what they had to reshoot. It's but, very confusing. The first time I watched Evil Dead 1, I had to go back. Like I went from Evil Dead 1 to Evil Dead 2 confused. Because like I said, I watched them in reverse order. Yeah. So I was even more fucking confused. <laughs> I was like. But this is how Evil Dead 2 started. So I had to go back and watch Evil Dead 2. And then I kind of figured out the line. And I honestly, I called bullshit on it being a sequel, not a remake for the longest time until Bruce Campbell told me different. Yeah. Not personally, but I mean online. No, I, I totally know what you're talking about. But, but what we're supposed to get out of this is that Ash never got away. Right. That he's still stuck there. And then we have a new group of characters come in. Um, this is the part where I start getting confused between the movies. So correct me if I'm wrong. But the uh, the daughter of the, the archaeologist, researcher, whatever, um, is the one that ends up showing up. Right. Uh, I think she found some more pages or translations to the Necronomicon. Exactly. So, so her and her boyfriend show up at an airport and they get a driver to take them yep. through the woods. And it's a country guy with his country girlfriend. Right. It's really country girlfriend. And it, like I said, it's, it's very jarring when you watch the movie because you just see Ash show up with his girlfriend. Yeah. He's playing p- piano and hanging out. And it's very fast. Like, you're like, this is shitty filmmaking if you don't know any better. Because it just cuts from, like, scene to scene to scene. Like, she gets yanked out a window. She's demon-possessed. He fucking decapitates her with a shovel. He buries her. Goes and steps outside of the cabin. Then you have the Sam Raimi cam ramming through the doors of the cabin, which is exactly how Evil Dead 1 ended. Yeah. Right? And it hits him. And this is 10, 12 minutes in the fucking movie. And Bruce Campbell, I saw him say in an interview, if you want to watch the movie for proper continuity, you cut everything out of Evil Dead 2 before you see Bruce Campbell flying and spinning through the air through yep. the trees. And if you watch it that way, you see the camera run through at the end of Evil Dead 1, hit Bruce Campbell, and then he's screaming and flying through the trees. Yeah. And it picks up. But the recap was not done the way the movie was. They didn't have Scott. No. They didn't have Cheryl. It was just him and Linda. So it's confusing as hell. So I don't even know what he was thinking on that part. Yeah. But we do end up with another group of people in the cabin with them. Right. And we we real quickly get to the what's fixing to be a dark comedy. Right. Much more slapsticky because of the ratings thing, number one. The ratings thing, the video nasties problem. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell, this is one of those weird things where I love Bruce Campbell as Ash. Right. I Other stuff I can take him or leave him for the most part. He's but great in burn notice. That's the one that I actually tell people. It's like burn notice, 
great character for him. But the over the top acting that should be feel out of place and just, oh God, why? It works it in, fit. in this atmosphere and nobody can do it like he does right. in that movie. What do they say is the best actor in the world at acting in reverse? <laughs> that too. And it's it's very Three Stooges-esque. And uh interview I saw after Evil Dead 2 came out, they're interviewing Sam Raimi and he said that when he went back to make the second one, he had several friends and family come to him and said, look, you like to make comedies. That's what you're good at. Yeah. Make a fucking make comedy. A comedy. And that's the approach he took. And it got put in that universe, which automatically ends up making it the benchmark for horror comedy. Right. And what you can and can't get away with. And there's still over the top violence in it, but they did stuff like green blood and black blood and stuff Orange like that. blood and stuff. So that way they couldn't get in trouble for having too much red blood. Exactly. This movie also was released unrated. Yeah. So this time around, there's a bit more money enough to, they took over a school Use like the classrooms as the production offices and built a set in the gym for a lot of the interior stuff. And the effects team that ended up coming in, because in the first film, it was just one of their friends from school. Tom Sullivan. That, yeah. yeah. And then they brought in, I think they brought in someone else for some of the, the stop motion yeah, decay scenes. But magic was fixing to happen on the set with what ended up being the birth of K&B. Right. Which, for you guys that don't know, that's Robert Kurtzman, Howard Berger, and Greg Nicotero. And he's the real famous one because yeah. he runs Walking Dead and everything now. These guys did a lot of work yes. after this movie. Because they actually, they were working for Mark Shostrom, right? Yes. So which, he was in charge and they were kind of hired working under him. But yeah, they he, made everything. Yeah, and he had, uh, Mark Shostrom had worked on, and like as a minor assistant on Nightmare 1 and 2 and uh, like Videodrome, Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, I didn't know all this. But he was not like... If I remember correctly, he was not like some of these. He's unaccredited oh, okay. because he did so little work. Like he was the latex so this runner. Is his first big movie, and he just sent got in got a letter to Sam Raimi with pictures of some of his work, and he's like, ah, bring that guy in, and like he rounded up people from recent movies that had a lot of gore in them, and a couple of them had already worked together on things like uh, Day of the Dead and uh, Night of the Creeps. I and, love that movie. <laughs> but so this crew gets together that's kind of ragtag in their own way. And it was really, really neat that the hard work that they put into this movie, the very next spring, they actually formed K&B. Right. And it's crazy because to my understanding, when you do dailies in the morning, which dailies is when the director shows up with like changes and edits and what we're going to shoot today. Yeah. Right. There's new shit from Sam Raimi every day. Yeah. And he's like, I want this to happen. And these motherfuckers have to build something like they have to <laughs> make some sort of creature or body part and make it bleed or whatever that day. Yeah. Because Sam Raimi, as brilliant as he is, and everybody says they love him and he's so funny on set. I hear he's actually very hard to work for, though. Like, he's, he knows what he wants and he's going to get it. Yeah. I mean, even Evil Dead 1, I should have said this when we were talking about it. He purposely made sure all the actors and actresses, like, suffered in their living conditions so that it would bleed into the movie with agony. Yeah. And I think it's in Evil Dead 2, Bruce Campbell twists his ankle and before he would say action... He'd fucking hit him in the ankle with a stick and then say action. Make sure he limped. To make sure he limped better. <laughs> but I mean, Bruce and Ted, Ted Raimi, his brother, like those two got fucked in every. Oh, dude, Raimi. Ted, Ted got it so much worse movie. as far as the, uh, the, the Henrietta yeah. suit. I mean, there's, there's behind the scenes footage of them having to put him on oxygen coming yeah. out of that thing. The sweat pouring out of the ears. Yeah, there's so shots grody. still in the movie of sweat pouring out of that thing. But it was, it's almost a retelling of the first movie. It's like hard to come back and do a synopsis. It almost have, is. It's, it's like, it's like everything that they learned from evil dead one. They're like, ah, oh, we should have done it this way. Like they did it, but they still approached it with that same gorilla right. uh, uh, attitude. And then like, even when they had money, like they had a rig, there's one shot with the camera that's supposed to go through the Delta and bust out the windows. Right. And they had this big expensive rig that was supposed to do it. That would never get it right. And it's like, we did this in the other movie with two by fours. Why aren't we using them? <laughs> yeah, so they just use the, you know, the Rambo cam or whatever the fuck it is. Exactly. And it's just, it's, it's really interesting because at this point, you know, Ash lost in the first movie and saw everybody he knows die. So he's crazy yeah. when the other people get there. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, and even then it just, it goes fucking downhill because they think he's crazy and like murdered the parents. Yeah. Right? I mean, they almost shoot him or he almost shoots him when they first come to the door. I think he gets one of them a buckshot. That's right. But they throw them in the basement and then they find the reel to reel and they're playing and it's got the spell being recited again. And it's like, I had to kill my wife, Henrietta. I cut off her head and buried her in the basement. And then Sam's Lord, help Sam, me. I buried her in the basement. Bruce is looking at the ground like, oh, fuck, let me out of here. And they think he's crazy. <laughs> and that's when Henrietta, the zombie woman, starts crawling out of the ground. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's really the coolest 
Henry Henrietta was an awesome part of that movie. <laughs> yes. Fuck you up. Um, and the the whole bit with the hand. I mean, you've got the the hand possession thing happens the whole from possession to removal. I mean, fuck spoilers. Yeah, it happens pretty fast. Spoilers in the movie. are for movies after two thousand. Okay, like. cool deal. <laughs> but it's just so much fun, and that's back to the helping uh, attack of the helping hand. Right. And uh, even when it flips the bird is from that, or or feels like it is. The slapstick is strong. Yes. In this movie. But it doesn't get out of control. It is such no. a, it's, it's lightning in a bottle just because it shouldn't work. Right, um, right. I mean, if you would have told me, hey, it's a horror movie where a guy's hand gets possessed and he cuts it off and he attaches a fucking chainsaw to the stub. Yeah. And, like, then he, huh? and then he shoots the hand after it gets stuck in a mousetrap and claws into a wall and, you know, 200 gallons of blood pour out of the wall. Yeah. Like this, no, say. this just sounds absurd. But they got to, they made the movie, killed off everybody once again. Yep. Ash is the hero that saved no one. <laughs> uh, he's trying to stop the the entire curse from happening. And then yeah. you get this giant fucking portal that opens up outside the cabin. Yeah. Right? And man, the, the effects are up and down in this movie. Sometimes and I think it's, it's where CGI would have helped would have been the portal, but you have the giant tree demon. Yeah. That looked cool as fuck. This giant tree monster is attacking the cabin and he has to fight it and he's fucking chainsaw arm into it. Gets sucked into the portal. And you see, Fucking Sam Raimi's car. It's in every goddamn movie. What is it? A 1977. <laughs> yeah, the car's got to go through the portal with him. It goes through the portal. They get fucking dropped and get surrounded by medieval soldiers. Yep. And you're like, what the fuck's happening? And the reason why is because Evil Dead 2 was originally the one it to be called the medieval dead. Yep. Right. And they wanted to make this film where Ash ended up in medieval times. And I'm assuming they would have just reshot the ending and he would have got sucked in the portal. Right. Yeah. That would have been their recap. They got money to make evil dead too. Not enough money to, to go to that level. So yeah. they, they get to go ahead and do that in 1992 and make army of darkness, which was originally not even going to be called army of darkness. It was evil dead three, I think. Yeah. At, yeah. at one point, And this was uh, just like you. I saw these films out of order. So right. I saw this one first. Because of you, when you found out about it, you had to come over and watch it. So I probably watched them out of order as much as you did. I saw it on cable and I immediately bought the fucking VHS tape and played it for everyone. <laughs> so I have to tell a quick story. First time that my now wife came over to my house, um, I said, I got a big movie collection. Just go pick something and that's what we'll watch. And first she says, this isn't a big movie collection because once we moved in together, I found out that hers put mine to shame. And the movie she picked was Army of Darkness. Okay. There's a nearly a 10 year generation gap here. And then my little sister who let's go another 10 years removed actually had a teacher play army of darkness in class, not in high school, in grade school. I didn't have teachers that cool. Yeah. When we were in school, it was going to be the friggin' lion King or something like that. So I just real quick, I want to talk about the, the reach of this movie, just how, how I got into it and some things that had happened uh, with it. A great movie. I mean, speaking of the reach <laughs> of the movie, like they have a recap scene of evil dead at the beginning yeah. as Linda. Speaking of the reach of this movie, I mean, it was just so well known that they have a recap at the beginning of Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2 or whatever the fuck with Linda in it. And Bridget Fonda is playing fucking Linda and she's only in it for like three seconds. Now our third Linda. Right, right. She's Linda number three. <laughs> but she called and said, oh, you're making another Evil Dead 3 movie. You got to put me in this fucking thing. And she was pretty famous at the time. Yeah. You know, and they got, I think, an $11 million budget, which was a big budget. Yeah. And that's because in between Evil Dead 2 and what was going to be Evil Dead 3. Same way we made Darkman, which is a pretty good fucking dark superhero movie with Liam yeah. Neeson. And it did pretty well. Sam Raimi was not happy with the end result because apparently they edited the shit out of his movie. Yeah. Right? And he wasn't happy about that. But like he had the name recognition. Evil Dead 1 is a classic at this point. They gave him more money. It was Dino De Laurento again, right? Again. Yeah. They're going to go in and make Evil Dead 3. Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness. I think that was the full name. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to have Evil Dead 3 on there. Yeah. So that you and knew that the continuity. And it's really funny. Like I, I saw an interview with one of the editors. When I say one of the editors, that's pretty funny. He was the editor of the film. <laughs> he ended up having to share an editing credit with rock sandstorm, uh, which is actually Sam Raimi. And it was because <laughs> dark man got so fucked in editing. He didn't want to not have control over editing in his movie. Yeah. He didn't want to look like an ass and it's like Sam Raimi edited either. So he made a fake name, let the, the editor edit the first part of the movie. And then he did the, second and third acts basically okay but he told the editor because he was a little confused like i thought this was a horror movie this is, this is the evil dead sequel right and the guy didn't really know what was going on because it was like fucking funny yeah and uh he's like look the first one was a horror movie 
The second one was a comedy and this one's an adventure. Yeah. And you really get that vibe. Like you, you see some gold versus travel in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, straight up. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, it's ripped off and that, I think the movies are only a few years apart. You have like Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. Um, it's very Sinbad-y at times. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. And I know we're, we're kind of jumping around, but I feel like everybody's probably seen these movies because it picks up. Yeah. I, w- I would hope that, that it's not spoilers here. I mean, right. it, and it's kind of like the Holy Grail, Monty Python's Holy right. Grail as a, a horror flick. Right. Right. It really <laughs> is. Um, and it, it starts off him getting sucked in the portal again. The only difference is at the end of Evil Dead 2, when he gets sucked in the portal, everybody assumes he's the chosen one. Yeah. Because right? we, we say chosen one because in Evil Dead 2, there's a page in the Necronomicon exactly. that shows it looks like Ash with a chainsaw and the shotgun in front of a temple, right? And he's like, the, he's the chosen one to stop the deadites. Yeah. So they, they assume that's him from the get-go, and they're praising him, and it's in front of the temple at the same shot. However, in Army of Darkness, they, they actually use the same car drop, Bruce drop. Yep. They reshot it over and over again. Didn't look as good, so they just reused the other one. So he drops, and he immediately gets arrested, and they think he's with, I don't know if they're like Vikings or Scotsmen or whatever. But yeah, like, who, whoever it is, it's, it's the other clan Henry's Kingdom, man, right? whatever. King Henry's yeah. man. like they think he's 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 a bad guy Henry he gets arrested red. yeah it's Henry the red so he gets you know arrested with them and they're gonna get fed to a pit and that's the thing with this movie it, it gets going and it just keeps going <laughs> oh yeah the whole the whole pit or the bit with the pit and the pit bitch they're being exactly <laughs> um oh shit there's a deadite down there right. and then immediately we get you know upon death or when the first guy's thrown in the geyser of blood, blood that comes out and like, okay, it's, it's, it's evil dead. And, yeah. And when a King Henry's man goes running away and you see the same Raimi cam follow the arrow. So yes. she's in the back and then they throw Bruce Campbell in there. He fucking kills the shit out of the dead. eye. gets out, has like his badass arrogant scene with everybody. Yep. Immediately kills another dead. then you, you know, you pop in like, there's, there's obviously there's a Sheila. She's like the woman character and he's obviously attracted to her and she's angry with them because her brother died uh, to King Henry's man. So yep. she thinks he's part of it at first. Exactly. But now they're all grateful because he's the hero. They're like feeding him grapes and stuff. Yep. Immediately get attacked by something else. Like this movie just went on and on. And it really did have that action adventure movie feel to it. It does. And it goes like that beat for beat. And uh, it's interesting to see the Ash character change because um, he's a pompous asshole. Oh, yeah. He's straight up uh, arrogant ass, but he's failed twice to save people. Yeah. And uh, of course, there ends up being talk about the uh the book and that the book has the power to send him back to his own time and that's all he gives a shit about and at that point and that's the thing it's okay for his character to change direction the way it does because it goes he's self-centered the whole time first he's like this is my boomstick you right. know like this the, listen I'm, you primitive screwheads exactly <laughs> and uh then we go to you know worship me i just saved all your asses and then oh i can get home well What's say first you want to kill me now you want to kiss me exactly <laughs> Give me some sugar, baby. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many good lines. Oh, this is a great horse blanket. You yeah. Know? <laughs> this is my boomstick. Yeah. This, they're all iconic. Like everybody quotes them. Even if you've never seen the movie, you've probably heard the quote and requote it. And it's very, very over the top in a good way. Slapstick. Yeah. Like still- there's straight up three studio scenes like the, there's fist coming in, slapping him from skeletons and he's trying yeah, to block the, them. And they do the, the, ex- the fingers over his hands. The you know, extended you know. cut on that actually. Yeah. shows the whole thing. And I remember back in the day, when they would run it on sci-fi, I believe they would always show the extended version right. of that. And even a couple more extended clips inside the, the, the windmill, whatever thing. Right. Um, and it's the it, director's cut. It, yeah. It fucked with my head the first couple of times. Cause I hadn't seen the director's cut. And I'm like, that doesn't happen in that movie. This should be edited down for TV. Why is there more? So the reason why that happens a lot in film, and this happened with the original Halloween a lot, like there's a lot of extra scenes. If you watch it on regular TV, mm-hmm. it's cause they have to edit out the bad scenes for ratings. And then the movie's too short. Yeah. So then they need scenes. So like, what else you got? Yeah. What's the B footage? And There's, they stick that in. And that B footage usually ends up being something the director wanted and somebody else cut out of the movie. And it ends up in a, in a director's cut at some point. Yeah. A funny thing about that whole graveyard scene. I remember, I don't know. I think it was like a year later. So it, it couldn't have been inspired by it. There's a, a Sega CD game, um, Revenge of the Ninja, where you end up in this one scene in the game where skeletons start popping out of the ground and okay. you end up fighting them. But the first thing that they do is grab your character, just the hands come up and grab the character <laughs> and pull it down to the ground. And then a few more hands pop up around it. And uh, that always made me think back to the movie. And, and for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, first of all, fucking go watch it. Even if you've never seen an Evil Dead movie, just watch it. Yeah. Out of context, great. But what he, what he refers to as the graveyard scene is he... He finds out he can go back to his own time and I call him Merlin, but he's just the wise man in the movie. Cause it is King Arthur. So I assume he's the wise man's Merlin, Yeah. but he tells him, you know, you got to go in this graveyard and you got to get the Necronomicon. 
But before you pick it up, you have to say these three words. And he keeps trying to make them re- repeat them. Verata. Nectar? Nickel? <laughs> Nickel. Nectar. Yeah, but he, he teaches them the words, makes them repeat them, and he just arrogantly says, I know your goddamn words. And when uh, he gets there, there's three books. He picks nobody the Nobody said wrong anything one. about three books. Nobody said anything about three books. He picks the wrong books in order. Like, and it's, it's great comic effect. I don't want to ruin any of it because it's just so slapsticky. Yeah. Then he doesn't remember the fucking words. Yeah. And that's what we were doing earlier. He's like, Klaatu. And it like the, the sound is booming. His voice is booming. The score is booming. Verada. <laughs> and he like coughs it out, you know? Yeah. And then he looks around. He's like, I said it. I said the words like he's tricking <laughs> fate here. Fucking curses the lands for yeah. the army of darkness to come. Like a giant army of deadites. Yeah. Cause he goes back and he's immediately asked, when's thou remove the book? Did that, <laughs> did thou say the words? And when did the windmill like, come into play? When he's first out with the horse, um, before, before after the graveyard, before the graveyard, so he ends up in a windmill and he, there's a fuck up reflection of him or something in a mirror and he shatters the mirror and there's a bunch of little ashes in the reflections. Yeah. But they all climb out of the, and it, out of the glass. It's a play on the bit that's in, uh, Golden evil, shovel. E, well, oh. evil dead two first. Yeah. When he's looking in the mirror, it's like, we just hacked up our girlfriend. Yeah. With yeah. The chainsaw. That's a good part of the movie. That's, that is a very good part of Evil Dead 2. So now not only just having the reach through gag that was there, but all these little ones and then the Gulliver, uh, Gulliver's travel bit that ensues and him doing, how about some hot chocolate with the hot water? Yeah, because they, they pin him down and one of them jumps in his mouth and he swallows them and it grows out of him and makes a second Evil Dead and he fucking, I'm sorry, a second Ash. Yeah. Which is Evil Ash. Evil Ash. And he kills Evil Ash. Good. Bad. I'm the one with the gun, you know, and he fucking buries the body. But that guy comes up and he's like your protagonist now. So Bruce Campbell's playing the good guy and the bad guy. And he leads the army of darkness to attack the town. Yeah. Cause when he gets back, they're like, did you say the words properly? And he's like, oh, I may not have said every Every little little tiny little (laughs) syllable. And I'm like, oh, you fool. You woke up the deadites. So now he's got to train everybody. Yeah. He's got to prep everybody. He has physics books and chemistry books in his trunk. Yeah. And makes gunpowder, makes the death machine out of the car. Yep. And you just get a ridiculous fucking assault on this castle. Yeah. With nothing but skeletons. So many rubber skeletons. So, and like the Jason, the Argonauts thing, um, the rear projection yeah. mixed with stop motion. They didn't have CGI yet. And they literally used every special effects technique. To yeah. Make this movie. Every friggin' trick in the book was thrown at it. Yeah. And, and it, when we say they, it's KNB. Yeah. It's still KNB, by the way. Mark Showstrom's not there. It's no. just, it's the core team. And they, we're only getting paid like a hundred dollars a day. I think on evil dead Two, And they're talking about how many hours they had to work and they're kind of getting screwed on pay. And they came back and did it because Sam Raimi was looking at these different people to do the effects. And so let's call the boys back. Yeah. Which I think is funny. They didn't call Mark. He just called those three. Yeah. And you know, they formed KNB, and they just, he just, the dailies were supposed to be insane. And they had 18 hour shoot days. And I think they were still only getting paid like a hundred dollars a day. And they were recording so much a day. They went to go meet with, I think it was burger went to go meet with, Robert Tabard, because he's always, I know Greg ended up being the more famous one in the end, but I think he was like the businessman. Yes. Right? And he's like, Rob, we got to talk about this recording schedule and our pay. We're going to have to do something about it. And he's like, oh, okay, let me go get something. And then they see his car driving off with a cloud of dust as he's hauling ass in the desert, getting out of there. <laughs> and they weren't paying these guys and they came back for it. I'm sure it worked out for him in the end though, because the special effects are top notch. Yeah. Like the rear projection, it looks like rear projection, it but does. they did it well. They're, the rubber skeletons, the animatronics and the faces. There's, the explosions. Oh there's my God. so much charm in there. There's so much little things like uh, the the one deadite that's just a rubber skeleton on a horse, but always rides with the other horse is, is lashed to the other horse with right. the actor, which is that is that the the captain or yes, uh, the captain. B- Bill Mosley, yes, Bill Mosley. Um, which Bill Mosley getting in the movie was was interesting. It was another thing where he got a letter to Sam uh, Raimi is like, uh, if I heard you were making another evil dead movie and I can be a guy in the background, I can be whatever, you know, I was chopped up. If you don't know who I am. And I'm trying to remember, I think he went through somebody like maybe somebody at K and B and like, Say, you know, like Chop Top wants to be in the fucking movie, you know, (laughs) like that. I was like, oh, the kids like him. All right, I'll put him in there. And Um, uh, there's a, this, I stumbled across this frigging thing on the internet that everybody thinks that Bill Mosley is playing evil Ash. Like, no, Bruce Campbell's playing fucking evil Ash. I mean, I used to make, there was a while that I didn't realize the captain and evil Ash weren't the same character. I just thought they were fucked up continuity errors with the helmet Ah. and stuff. Because it's, it doesn't really make sense because you have evil Ash and an army of skeletons and an occasional demon. And then there's randomly another zombie like guy with armor on. Yeah. The, but you're, you're supposed to get that. It's the right hand man. And he's, he's the, the captain general. And the editing the might be responsible for that because they made the movie. Dino saw it. Oh, it got hacked to bits and he just kept hacking it to bits and he's making them pull shit out. 
and pull shit out. And they weren't happy about it, but they got as much of their movie in there as they could. And then they wanted to release the movie and it got shelved for a year. Yeah. Because Dino De Laurentiis was going um, to court with Universal over Silence of the Lambs and Manhunter. Because Dino made Manhunter. Yep. And he felt like he owned Hannibal Lecter. And they were suing for properties back and forth. So the movie couldn't come out. In the end, Universal won. And this was a Universal Pictures movie, not a Dino De Laurentiis movie. Yeah. So you had, I don't remember who did the first Evil Dead. And then you had a Dino De Laurentiis production for the Evil Dead 2. And now you have Universal for Army of Darkness. Well, Universal had never worked with Sam and the team. No. Didn't have the rapport with them. Didn't give a shit. Edited the movie even more. Yeah. Just like cutting shit in and out. Continuity got screwed. Changed the ending. Because, you know, the original ending, you can find in a lot of extras. He takes the potion. And he has to say the words again. Yeah. Fucks the words up. Sleeps well, no, no. He long. takes too many drops. Too many drops. Yeah. That's, I mixed that up. You're right. He like, takes too many drops because he hears a noise. And he wakes up and... He slept too long and it's post-apocalyptic future yeah. and the fucking world's destroyed. You see like Big Ben and Crumbles I was going to say, for some reason, all these world icon landmarks all are, yeah. are in the shot, but whatever. I slept too long. Yeah. Well, apparently they thought that was depressing. So they shot the other ending where he's in the S-Mart talking to Ted. He has a shootout with another Deadite, which shows you he fucked up because the Deadites are still around. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that ending, that's the ending that, that you take to lead into the TV show. Because we never really got an Evil Dead 4. But once again, Sam Raimi screwed in editing of his movie. Yeah. You know, and it's got to hurt because he purposely tried to edit his own film just to, just to protect that. But it was a big studio movie. It actually flopped originally, right? Yeah. And ended up becoming a cult classic. And yep. it's actually a American movie classic. It is counted as a classic. They shot the movie. So this comes on like TMZ? Or, I think so. Or yeah. like on American no, Music, it's, it's movie like classic it, channel? It, it got certified as a classic, but it's the only one that did, even though Evil Dead was huge. Yeah. But MPAA and all that, no rating. I think that kind of fucks you on that. This is the actual studio movie. But Yeah, and shot, it's not gory. No. They shot the movie to be PG-13. It was planned to be PG-13 from the gate. They purposely did every scene as a PG-13 movie. Greg Nicotero even said he only had one bucket of blood in the trailer to use for the whole movie. And at the end, he's like, I didn't even fucking open the thing. Yeah. Right. Like it was not gory. MPAA held it up when they tried to release it and fucking slapped the R on it. And they all assumed that it was just a fuck you because they got around them on Evil Dead 1 and 2. Yeah. And they followed him and followed him. And they're like, what do you want us to cut out? And they were like, they couldn't. They're like, just make it PG 13. Yeah. So they resubmitted the movie without cutting anything out. Yeah. They didn't change it at all. And got the PG-13. Yeah. And the name, they dropped Evil Dead off the name. They just wanted it to be called Army of Darkness. Yeah. They made that shitty metal trailer with that shitty logo. Oh, right? yeah. Like, removed Evil Dead from it. So, like, I mean, you had to be, like, hardcore and catch the trailer and realize that it was Ash fighting Deadites to yeah. even know that it was a sequel. You didn't have the internet. So, I mean, the movie on its own, and because of Sam Raimi, became part three of this trilogy and a fucking classic. And so, for those of us that wanted an Evil Dead 4, we kind of got ish. With uh, Drag Me to Hell. We talk about that in another episode. Yeah, um, good movie. We're going to have to come back to definitely it. Definitely feels like it takes place in that universe. And that, that um, one actually had to set shelved for 10 years just because of the Spider-Man movies. Because Sam Raimi got huge. You guys got to understand that he made these horror movies, comedy movies, adventure movies, if you will. Became a fucking very sought after director. Did yeah, the whole Spider-Man trilogy. Exactly. Now, we do got to bring up the remake. Yeah, the remake. It was pretty fucking good remake, in my opinion. One of the better remakes. They... Fidi Alvarez, I think all he'd made was like a YouTube video, right? Like, and got famous for that. No uh, shit. They let him make it. Bruce Campbell was a producer on it. Like, not just a name. He was an actual producer. Briefly want to say, they, they wanted, Fidi wanted to make the movie the way Sam wanted to make it if he had money. Yeah. When he made the first one. And it is horrific. Oh, yeah. And gory. Creepy as fuck. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. I think as a fan, you'll like it. It is a lot scarier than the original oh, one. Oh, like. yeah. Ash is not in it for multiple reasons. One, Bruce Campbell wouldn't allow it. <laughs> yeah. That's his character. And honestly, I think if Ash was in it, everybody would shit on it because nobody's going to be Bruce Campbell. Yeah. So you have a girl character. She is fantastic in the movie because she has to go from a broken character to the fucking dead eye. And like I said, the gore, you guys just, yeah, you got to see it. But she was awesome in it. And, and they had a really good story for getting everybody to the cabin. It was like a detox scenario. But they ended up making a pretty faithful fucking remake. 
I mean, they did. I can't wait till we do reboots and remakes because this is one of the not shitty ones. Yeah, this is one of the ones that we'll we'll get into much more detail later. We just want to go ahead and mention it as quote unquote part of the not the trilogy. It's not part of the least, trilogy, but it was good enough that you got a fucking remake in 2013. Exactly. We're showing what kind of lasting power really came out of these films. And people really wanted Evil Dead 4. Like it always got brought up to Sam and Bruce. And, you know, yeah, Bruce is like, I'm fucking working on burn notice right now. I don't got time for this shit I was kind of thing. Hardcore one of those people. Yeah. And, you know, that's why some people feel teased by Drag Me to Hell. But they they decided they eventually would do an Evil Dead 4-ish. And the reason why this is called the trilogy is because they decided not to make a movie. They looked at it and they're like, we could do this episodic. We could do this as a show. Yeah. Bruce and Sam are producers on the show. Yep. Uh, Robert's a producer, Robert Tappert. It's on Stars, where his Spartacus show was at. Yep. And it it's was got Lucy Lawless. It's got Lucy Lawless, which Robert Tappert's wife, we just found that out earlier looking at IMDb <laughs> credits. Uh, makes sense why she's in everything. I mean, she's a fantastic actress. Yeah. Xena, right? And Hercules, <laughs> which. <laughs> When you watch Army of Darkness, like you can, it's a couple years before Xena and Hercules, but you can see where the fuck Sam's going. Oh yeah, absolutely. you know because that's what he did next, really. But uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. This is this is about the movie trilogies. We're not going to go into it, but it is a faithful Evil Dead four. Yeah, it's it's as close as we got to Evil Dead four, and where Ash the, played by Bruce Campbell. I mean, like that's fucking all yeah. you can ask for, and it's gory yep. as shit. It is. We got Ash back, but we can go into it when we get into. Uh, Maybe some some horror. Yeah, I mean TV we're shows. we're here to talk about movies, but there's enough good TV shows now, like Ash vs Evil Dead, The Haunting Hill House. There's a few of those that I feel like we should touch on at some point. Absolutely, I will say it feels really good doing one episode on one topic. Yes, it really does. I hope we weren't all over the place. We probably were. Yeah, I mean Evil Dead one and two are easy enough to confuse, and I feel like. Sam Raimi and team were probably confused making these movies sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Ho hopefully we got to cover some things from the behind the scenes that people may not have known and uh, just kind of tell our story of how we were introduced to the films and uh, their lasting power and, yeah, and how they I affected mean, us. Huge fans. Like I, I regularly watch all these movies. I didn't even mention my Bruce Campbell autograph book. Yeah. Brief, funny story on that. I have a uh, confessions of a B movie actor. If chins could kill. It's a Bruce Campbell book. I was given it for my birthday one year from a, friend of mine that I grew up with when I was like 15. Yeah. She worked at a bookstore with a cafe and she shows up at my birthday party and gives me this book and it's autographed and I'll put it on the Instagram. It says Saul in quotation marks. Saul, it was your birthday. Keep it groovy and hail to the King baby. Right. <laughs> like, so Bruce signed it right in the cover. I get it. And I'm almost in tears, right? Like I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I love fucking evil dead and army darkness and everything. Bruce Campbell. This is probably 10, 11 years ago. Okay. All right. And I was like, how did you get this? Thinking she ordered it or something. And she's like, oh, he was on a book tour and he came by my work today. And I wanted to surprise you and get the book. No shit. And I'm like, so Bruce Campbell was here. And you didn't fucking tell and him. And you didn't call me for my birthday to come meet him and get the book signed. <laughs> and like, I'm sure I sounded, you know, like unappreciative, but it was, I was so appreciative. I was like, fuck, I could have met him. And that yeah. might have been my only chance to meet Bruce Campbell, but I just had to get that out there. But great fucking trilogy inspired many people. I mean, oh yeah. Greg Nicotero credits the first one for part of his special effects stuff, even though he ended up working on Evil Dead 2 and, and 3. Eli Roth made Cabin yep. of the Woods very inspired. You just, you see or the trope. Cabin, cabin Fever. There, I'm sorry, what did I say? Cabin in the Woods. Oh, shit. No, that's, that, just that's a whole nother thing. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> yeah. So Eli Roth made Cabin Fever very inspired by Evil Dead, you can tell. And the whole Cabin in the Woods trope. I yep. mean, that just made me say that. Yeah. Another one I got to make mention of is uh, after looking at Evil Dead 2 again, go and watch Dead Alive. Yeah. A lot. Peter Jackson loved that movie. Yeah, a lot of the cinematography and a lot of the the setup shots and the gore feel like they were pulled straight out of that universe. Uh, I've seen interviews with Peter Jackson where he accredits Evil Dead for his filmmaking. Okay. So, I mean, like, it, it influenced a lot of people, gave us an awesome trilogy, yep. a good remake, and a fucking TV show. Yep, and I made mean, everybody think that Bruce Campbell was just an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but everybody, thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to try to keep it another inclusive episode we're going to do a director this time yep. we're going to do eli roth he's current right now he's doing the history of horror so we're going to do the history of him <laughs> we're just going to cover the horror movies he did some stuff outside of that yeah and then i think after that episode were we going to restart the cycle then i don't know i think we got to look at what our next we're gonna we're, we want to have like phases where we go in so it's like yeah, genre franchise director yeah maybe we'll go into a creature thing maybe we'll go into a the haunted house thing who knows we got a bunch of different directions to go just like jesse said there's a whole sheet of ideas we want to pluck from and of course you the listener if there's something you're interested interested in hearing us do or cover or that you'd like to hear us talk about you can give us feedback s by s podcast that's all you got to remember the website's s by s podcast.com 
We've got links to download it, the podcast from everywhere. Our Gmail's on there. Our Twitter's on there. Our Instagram's on there. They're all S by S podcast. Please send us that feedback. Please keep subscribing and please keep spreading the word. (laughs) 